Awakening the Feminine. I am Melissa Blaine here with an amazing badass money coach, Lisa Chastain. And here on the Awakening Feminine, we are talking about unfamiliar, unpredictable, and untraditional ways of how we re-embody the feminine nature. And I felt really empowered to bring on Lisa, who actually has been my money coach now for a little over five years, and really talking about the feminine and what it's like to reawaken that part of ourselves when it comes to our relationships with money. So I want to thank you, Lisa, for joining and yeah, let's jump in. Okay. So the first thing I want to talk about, you know, when it comes to money is first and foremost, I want to talk about girl, get your shit together. So I remember being in Tulum in 2018, I was dating a man and I was intimidated because he was really financially responsible. And I remember having a lot of debt. And like on one of our first dates, he was like, so tell me about your relationship with money. And I about shit my pants. Did you? Yeah. And I remember we were getting ready to go to Tulum and I had picked up Oprah magazine. Yes. Oprah. And there was an article there with your book. And I was like, okay, I'm ordering this book. I've never met you and I'm dating this guy and what a perfect place to read it in Tulum. And I remember reading your book in Tulum and I was like, holy shit, I need you in my life. And it wasn't in that moment that I hired you. I came back from the trip and probably about, I'd say a good five to six months later, a lot of, um, you know, shit hit the fan for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I had lost a job with a nonprofit here in Las Vegas, my relationship with the dude, gone. And I remember having like $40,000 of debt. And I remember calling you. And I remember I was like, I don't even know where to begin. So I want to start off by talking a little bit about when you decided to write Girl, Get Your Shit Together, literally and figuratively, what does that mean? Like, Girl, Get Your Shit Together? What did that mean for you? And why did you call the book this? I was, um, well, hello, everyone. We just direct. We just jump in. I was, it was in 2016 that I was deciding to leave my career as a financial advisor. I, um, you, you'll, you'll read my story in the book. I, I had burned through my life savings trying to start a business as a financial advisor. And it's a sink and swim, swing, sink or swim kind of environment. Well, it is, it's totally sink or swim for women in, in the financial industry, for men too. I'd never been around money in my life. I grew up a blue collared girl. And all of a sudden I'm in a high net worth firm trying to attract millionaires to work with. Mm-hmm. And I bombed. Wow. I sucked at it. Yeah. And I was facing my own failure financially. And at that time I didn't know, but even a year later I was in a divorce, going through a divorce. So it was through the process of hiring a coach, Robin Crane and her husband, Trevor, I had this burning desire to be successful Mm. and to make a difference Mm -hmm. and to have a legacy. And my voice was nowhere. It was nowhere in my life and in my business. And so the book came out of my vision and my dream to one, be better for myself financially, knowing what I knew. I didn't know anything about money going into the finance industry, but then getting my licenses and learning how money actually works. I knew I had to get my shit together. 
Yeah. And I was driving down the freeway the moment it hit me because we were like, okay, I'm going to write this book. It doesn't have a title yet. I kind of know what I'm going to talk about, like in the publishing stage of the book. And I'm driving down the I-15 south, passing the strip. And I'm telling myself, girl, get your shit together. And I was like, that's it. That's it. And it's not meant in a, in a mean-spirited kind of way. It's a, it's a phrase that I'm calling forward because we've all said it to ourselves, mm-hmm. I believe. As a woman, we walk into a room of other successful women, and we're like, man, I really got to get my shit together. Like, who hasn't done that? For sure. <laughs> right? No doubt about it. We're, we're sizing each other up unconsciously. We're sizing ourselves up unconsciously. So I'm just saying, hey, let's do this work together. You know, for me, when I read the book, I think I was also at that pivotal moment. I had lost a relationship, lost a job. I was in this debt. And I was just like, wow, like, how do I get myself out of a hole? And if I'm being brutally honest, because that's just how I roll, Mm -hmm. um, I had filed bankruptcy. Um, I don't even remember what year it was. It's been so long. But I remember I had filed bankruptcy. And I made a lot of poor decisions at a very young age. I bought a house when I was 20 and I took care of a man financially for like six years and took a second on my house and had all this debt. And I wrote checks that my ass couldn't cash. And I was more focused on what I look like on the outside. Um, And so I was buying all of these things. So I looked like I had my shit together, literally and figuratively. And I filed bankruptcy and I remember after reading your book, I remember like, if I don't ask for help, and if I don't learn, you know, new ways of being and new ways of acting around my relationship with money, I'm headed in that same direction. Yeah. And, and I knew it. And what's, um, and we'll talk a little bit about this now that you are in NLP. And we'll talk a little bit about that about mindset and limiting beliefs. You know, my mom has filed bankruptcy two times. And so hi, where did I pick up that limiting belief around her relationship with money and watching that relationship with money? And so I remember working with you and I remember, you know, really having to humble myself that I didn't know shit about managing money. I had no idea whatsoever. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, in your new book, which you are writing a new book coming out right now. Yeah. um, You talk in a chapter a little bit about women hitting a glass ceiling. Yeah. Talk a little bit about what that glass ceiling means, because I think we all, whether it's finances, health, relationships, I do believe that we hit a certain point. And in order to break through that literally and figuratively, um, I do wholeheartedly believe that when we have accountability and support um, from experts like you as a financial expert and working with women, we have the opportunity and the tools to break that ceiling. So talk a little bit about breaking the glass ceiling for women. What does that mean in in the women that you work with now when it comes to, you mentioned biggest limiting belief is not being enough um, and not believing that they're worthy. Yeah. There's a very political conversation right now about glass ceilings for women. So I'm going to take it out of the context of we can't control it because it's an external force. Mm -hmm to a very personal conversation about how we all limit ourselves. And women, we're really, we're really, really good at it. Um, And in the money conversation, we want to know more. Mm -hmm. And if we don't feel like we know enough, we're going to limit ourselves. Mm -hmm. So turning that conversation inward, the reason I call it our own glass ceiling is that I remember very distinctly times in my life where I said things that were so limiting Mm -hmm. based on my own experiences. 
my dad made never made more than $60,000 a year. And I was talking to my husband about this. He goes, well, in the 70s and 80s, that was probably pretty good money. I'm like, yes, and as a woman of the 21st century, that was my role model. Mm-hmm. He never made more than $60,000 a year. So then when I was in my first career making $54,000 a year by the age of 31, yeah. I thought I had made it. You're like, cha-ching, it's yeah. raining. Yeah. yeah, right? And I, I think my paycheck was $3,200 a month. Wow. And by today's standards, that isn't going to cover the yeah. being from Southern California. Oh, yeah. It barely covers a rent payment. Yeah. No doubt about right? it. Right. So I'm driving down again, driving, talking to my coach. I'm going through a life coaching program. And this is, you know, fast forward after I had left my first career and I'm making no money as a financial advisor. I had made no money. And I was actually negative every single month because I was trying to build my own business, had my own yep. business expenses. And my life coach is like, well, how much do you want to make this year? And I said, I'd be really happy if I could make $30,000 mm. a year. And she goes, Lisa. Wow. Why would you ever limit yourself? Wow. My brain could not comprehend yeah. more than what it would be to make $30,000 a year. That was my first glass ceiling, my yep. own way of limiting myself. Yeah. So for money, which my book is a really great place to mm-hmm. start of looking at where you inherited those beliefs and doing NLP work. Mine started in the womb. Yeah. Or before, right? Like if we look at where our beliefs come from, where our ancestry has taken us. I I grew up in an environment where women didn't work. Yep. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. My mom, you know, so years and years and years of all that. I have to break through all of that for myself and for the women in my ancestry who chose me to do it. Yeah. And so do you. So it's it's a question of where are you limiting yourself today? What decisions did you make about yourself? And we got to get to work on breaking through those. If you say you want more in your life. Yeah. You know, and that's another, that's part of the reason why I I called my podcast Awakening the Feminine was really to talk about untraditional ways that we are really allowing ourselves as a feminine place, as a feminine woman to have a voice in the world. And I'm super passionate about voice. Like I'm like, speak up, ask for what you want, ask for what you need. And more importantly, feel safe to do so because your voice matters. And no one is going to be an advocate for you unless you do it yourself. And so talking a little bit about big breaking, limiting beliefs and ancestral trauma and having these beliefs from in the womb and even before that around money, you know, some of the limiting beliefs I remember for me, mine so much, I think, was it that I was not enough? It was more around interesting enough was like I um, didn't trust men with money. Mm-hmm. And so I remember, I remember growing up and I love you, mom, you're probably going to watch this. So just disclosure, but I remember in junior high, both my mom and stepdad worked and they were blue collar and, but my mom, they both had a gambling addiction. So I want to preface it that they had their own, you know, struggles with finances, but my mom would ask me to come home from school, check the mailbox and hide credit card statements and bills from my stepdad and put them in her underwear drawer. And so growing up, honesty around money in partnership was like not even ever a thing. And my first marriage, I wrote my paycheck over to my husband and he was like, I'll give you an allowance. Same thing that my stepdad did to my mom. So it was like a splitting image. And what did I do? 
I opened up credit cards. I would charge credit cards because I didn't want to ask for permission to have my own money, rack that all up. And so it was just, I was completely repeating the pattern yeah. over and over again. And so what are some of the things that for any women that are listening right now, one, I do hold heartedly believe like there's got to be a desire, right? There's got to be a desire that they want to um, change their beliefs around money and start making that change around their, their beliefs around money. What would you say to any woman that's out there of like, where would they obviously, yes, get the book strongly recommend. What would you say to women that if, whether they're an entrepreneur, because I think that's important, you know, Lisa's an entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur. I, I want to set the precedence. Like you could be a stay at home mom watching this right Absolutely. now. Right. And that, you may have this desire burning, like you may want more, you may want to have some money, like all of it is free and clear, right? What would you say to women that are just getting started of developing a relationship with money? What would you say is the first thing that you would advise or give recommendations that women are just really developing a relationship with their money? One thing. Yep. You, um, until you know what limits you, you won't be able to break through it. So the same, the same person that created all the problems in our lives is not the same person that's going to help you get to the yeah. other side. Yeah. So the money journey has been for women. And I think for men, a lot of like, we have more suicides from male CEOs yeah. than ever before is that it's so it's such an isolating conversation. Yeah. So the very first thing I would tell anyone is that this money journey is not meant to be done alone. Mm -hmm. My book's a great resource. I have an online course. Doing it alone could be your first step. And by having community and having mm -hmm. conversation, you have this sisterhood of people who are going to help you even on the hard days. And for me, that was the game changer, was being willing to open up about my journey and about yeah. my feelings with other people mm -hmm. and then getting coaching mm -hmm. really, truly, honestly, like that's not a shameless plug. That's the truth. Yeah. Getting coaching because your language in a, in a linguistic sense mm -hmm. is telling your brain what to believe. Mm -hmm. And so I love my coaching calls because I'm just saying back to someone what they've said. And they're like, Oh my God, I just said that. I'm like, yes. And that is what you believe. Yeah. So you have to get it outside of your head yep. to see it, to be able to break through it. Yeah. Um, and, and education, I get a lot of people who are like, we got to have this in schools. Yes. And yeah. educate yourself. But again, if you're not having conversation and conscious conversation on what it is that you want and taking new action, the education doesn't matter. Yeah. So learn about money, but put it to action. Yeah. I love that you talked about conscious conversation. I want to talk a little bit about that. Starting a dialogue with yourself of leaning into curiosity and I always like to, from NLP perspective, is writing out, just creatively writing and just asking myself, like, what's getting in the way? What is my belief about this? And just really writing it out and letting my subconscious part of my brain just dump it all out yeah. and go, oh my God, where did this come from, right? And lean into curiosity with that. Because I think that's the other part. Like you talk a lot about, you know, the work that you do is helping women overcome financial shame and guilt. Because- yeah right? So when we reflect on where our beliefs around money are, where are we at? I'm sure I'm, I could guarantee it. There's definitely going to be feelings of guilt or shame there sure. right out of the gate. And sometimes those shames or guilt, knowing what I know 
can cause a person to go more inward and like, like pull back and not want to talk about the thing because they are having overwhelming feelings of shame or guilt. Mm -hmm. So if they have those when they first start reading your book or writing about it, what would you then secondly advise women that if they start to notice shame or guilt, what do you tell them? What could you tell them to help get them over that shame or guilt? Well, the first thing is you're not alone. Yeah. You're not alone. Women were pretty new to this money game. Yeah. It from a, from a mass consciousness perspective is that women, we only, um, this is, a, I think, a, a place to be able to move to forgiveness is that we only were able to retain our earnings and our property starting in the 1900s. Woo! My that job. wasn't that long ago. No. Okay. No. So that wasn't that long ago. None of us, it's an applied science. None of us, and it's a, we made it up. We made money up. Yeah. None of us were born knowing anything about money. Yep. And so when we can flip, when we can have that perspective and know that we're not alone, um, also we up until the 1900s were the majority of, have been the majority of spenders. Mm -hmm. So if it's not our money, mm -hmm. but we're spending it, we inherited that shame and that yeah. opposition with money because it was never ours. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 100%. And so now it's ours for most, for so many of us, not all of us, it's ours. And we're carrying that guilt and shame and that tug of war internally. And so we get to own all of it. Mm -hmm. And if we can own all of it and realize that now it's our choices, it's not really about the money then it's about where we ask this question, where am I out of alignment with the choices that I'm making in my life? Cause then it's less charged. It's not about the money. Yeah. Then you're just, you're off track in your life. Yep. Okay. All right. Now let's work there. Yep. Yeah. And the shame and the guilt, having gone through bank, I haven't gone through bankruptcy. You have a lot of my clients have knowing that you're not alone, that so many people, even, even outwardly successful people mm -hmm. struggle with money mm -hmm. and their worth and their yeah. worth. This is a human experience. Yeah. Um, and like Brene Brown says, people just want to be seen yep. and heard. Yep. And when we can feel seen and heard and, and find someone safe to talk to about this mm -hmm. stuff, we can release it mm -hmm. over time, mm -hmm. but we can't afford to stay stuck. Yeah. I love that she said, feel safe about it. Cause obviously, you know, the work that I do, one of the biggest things is helping women to feel safe in their, their physical body, because knowing what I know from NLP and knowing what I know from somatic therapy our heart and our head could be out of alignment, mm -hmm. right? And we know that. And so therefore we have a parts conflict. And so for women that may not feel safe in their body, they're most likely not going to have the hard fucking conversation with their partners because they're afraid. Yeah. They're petrified. They don't, they're afraid whether it's to ask, you know, lean into curiosity. They might be afraid of getting yelled at, judged, shamed, criticized, the list goes on and on. So back to feeling safe to have the conversations, I think that's also really important for anyone watching this is that if you don't feel safe around having conversations with money, whether that you're in relationship or even with your family, I strongly agree finding somebody that you can really lean on that feels safe for you to start developing new tools new strategies and new ways of talking about money that make you feel safe. Because I'll even be honest, and you helped Andrew and I, 
you know, I have a partner now, we've been together for a little over two years now. And I remember like early on in our relationship and I was like, uh, we got to talk about money because this is a big issue for me and leaning into that conversation. And then when we decided to move in together, I hadn't lived as a man in 15 years. He hadn't lived with a woman in 12 plus years. And the last man that I had lived with was the guy that I financially took care of and filed bankruptcy and did all that. And so I was like, okay, before we make the commitment to live together, I need help. I need help because I don't know how to have, I'm 42 years old and I'm not ashamed to say it, but like, I don't know how to have a conversation with somebody that I love around money and how do we make these agreements? So when we live together that we don't fight about money because growing up, that's all I saw that was fighting about. So you were my safe space and you still are my safe space. But finding someone that you feel safe with to talk about money for women, I think is really, really important. It's so important. And the the shame and the guilt comes from us thinking that we're not doing it right. Yeah. Because there's so many, oh gosh, this is one of the reasons why I'm on such a mission right now to have this conversation for women, particularly women, is that um, there's these rules out there of how how it should be done Mm -hmm. or how money should be spent or how it should, you know, all these shoulds and financially you can create your own game to play. You can create your own life, your own lies, your own, like your own awareness and alignment with the decisions that you're making financially. But if you don't know your money because you're afraid or you don't know how to have conversation about money because you're afraid or ashamed or whatever, you'll stay stuck. So we have to open it up. We have to be willing to face it to move through it. Yep. And start practicing new ways of being, right? And leaning into and practicing that. Yeah. And it's 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 still, you know, like even still to this day, I was talking to you before this podcast, like my partner and I are now living in separate states and we had to revisit our financial agreements. Mm-hmm. You know, we had made agreements before we moved in and there were certain agreements of like how much percentage that we pay, what feels comfortable, what feels fair. You know, I remember like, we originally agreed on 50-50 and then I sat with it and I was like, mm, this doesn't feel fair for me. Yeah. And I remember having a, a call with all of us of like, and I was scared because I was like, well, here's why I don't think it's 50-50 split because this is why I don't think it's fair. Yeah. And like, remember even just, even in that moment, having that conversation, it was me, I believe, breaking my own glass ceiling, yes. feeling like I was worthy enough to to ask for a different split because this is what I felt was important to me as a woman. And even in that conversation, that was me breaking my own glass ceiling of asking for what my worth was. And so I do believe that these conversations of money are just going to keep going on and on and on because you're going to be required to up level and up level. Yeah. You know, that's exactly it. You elevate to the next level and there's a new conversation. There's a new belief to confront. Yeah. Even um, I have a friend, Rose, you can check out her YouTube channel. She, she does a lot of great conversations with money and she's talking about add a zero. Mm. And, you know, if you only have $10 in your bank account, add a zero, get yeah. to a hundred, add a zero, get yeah. to a thousand. And every zero is a new belief, a new mindset. It's all about elevation. I love that you brought that up because I just had a visual literally yeah. come into my mindset. When I started working with you, I remember because the mind sees in pictures, we know that, right? Through NLP, right? If you see it, you can manifest it and create it. So I remember you and you probably don't remember this, but you were like, 
write on like a big note card, like how much you want to attract that month and place it at Naya's view. And I remember, I don't even remember what it was at the time. I think maybe it was like $5,000. I think it was like $5,000. And every month I would put it on my little tack board in front of my, in my office. And literally from that moment to today, I still do that. And it's pretty much tripled that Mm -hmm. of what I asked for Mm -hmm. like four years ago. And I've tripled that and I've made that. Thank you very much. And it works. It works. And I, when I gave myself permission to, I think the other thing that's also important and I want to talk about this is I think there's also a limiting belief that, that is still happening in today's society of that there's a limiting belief of you have to hustle and you have got to grind and you have got to push, push, push in order to be successful. Mm-hmm. And I think that it, there's something to say about that, right? Absolutely. So what's your, what's your thoughts on that? When you hear that of like, oh, I have to grind or I have to push because for me, one of my limiting beliefs that I was challenging with is like, when I moved to California, it was like, okay, it was a, it was a different ball game. I was my own boss. And I was like, well, I don't want to start work until like 10 or 11 o'clock because I want to walk the beach. I want to focus on my mental health. I want to do all of these things. So that even stretched my edge but the biggest thing was learning that I could work at the smaller amount of hours and triple my income. And that was like, holy shit, that's possible. It is possible. So what do you think about when you hear that you got to push and hustle and grind? I'm curious, like what, what's your take on that? Well, I think it's a very, it's a very masculine mindset mm-hmm. and it's also outdated in the way that we don't work hourly as much as we used to as a, like as a society, we Mm -hmm. don't work hourly as much as we used to. If you have, if you, if you're earning a paycheck and you're working for $30 an hour, $40 an hour, the only way for you in that mindset to make more money is to work your fucking ass off. Yeah. Cause if you're only billing at 30 to $40 an hour, that's the only way you could create more. That's a very fixed mindset. Um, work overtime, right? Overtime. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's also another kind of hustle culture that you're hustling. You got to beat the system. You got to game the system, whatever that is. And what you're speaking into in the more feminine way of creating is really through the law of attraction Mm -hmm. and doing the, and coupled by taking the right action, Mm -hmm. law of attraction coupled by taking the right action. And for me now, I'm not hustling. Mm-hmm. I'm open, open, opening up to diverse ways. Mm-hmm. What if your money was making money for you? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, what if you had three different avenues and sources of income? Mm-hmm. That wasn't the case for women, specifically for women yeah. before the 1900s even, yeah. and, and even really honestly until the last 20, 30 years have women had the ability to really, and most women I would say, or more of a majority of women, because yeah. there have been women in history who have had that, but it's by far the minority. Yeah. Yeah. So the hustle culture 
is outdated. We need to find a new way. Mm-hmm. Some um, you see it on social media. It's like it's alignment. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Right. <laughs> so feel into it. Feel like it is, and you have you get to open up to multiple streams of income yeah. and getting your money to start working for you and getting creative mm-hmm. and realigning. Yeah, that's the new culture. I think that's going to win because it's unsustainable to hustle anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also part of that also too is opening up to multiple, you know, potential revenue coming in or how you can make money and changing that. The other thing is, is that I want to ask you, cause this was one of the questions that was on social media that I got asked was, you know, and it was a woman, she's a new entrepreneur. Her name is Courtney. And she had asked on a direct message. She was like, I'm really curious, like, do I, you know, invest more or do I pay off my debt? Like, so she's in this process of like, what, which one do I do? I don't know which one I should do more of. So I get that question all the time. So let's talk okay, about that. Okay. Invest or pay off debt. Um, focus on return. Focus, focus on, on return. return. So um, with credit cards, for example, yeah. if you're paying on a high interest credit card, 27% interest, yeah. or you can go invest that money and get a 5 or 10% return, over time, the 5 to 10% compound interest will earn you more. Mm-hmm. And 27% interest on a credit card also compounds. So where is your dollar best placed? Ask that question. That's a totally different way of thinking about it. Yeah. Where is this dollar going to be best for me to place right now so that it goes longer, goes farther? Mm-hmm. Well, of course, I would say get rid of the 27% interest. Yeah. Does that mean that you pay it down? Maybe not. Maybe you move it onto a 0% card. Yep. And so then you're slowly paying it down for 18 months. Yep. And then the rest that you have, start investing it because it's going to earn you five or six or seven based on return. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, in order to do that, you have to know how to play the game mm-hmm. of money. And it's not an either or conversation. Yeah. It's what is best in alignment with my goal. What is yeah. the goal? What am I actually trying to accomplish right now? Yeah. Otherwise, then you're just playing into what I think most financial experts, most financial conversation wants you to is like one's better than the other. Yeah. Well, they're they're going to best suit you based on the goals. What are you trying to accomplish in the first place? So to that person, I would say, what is it that you're trying to accomplish? Yeah. And then let's pick the right avenues. Yeah. Um, Because some people... Go in, go into debt. Mm-hmm. Will borrow money to invest money mm-hmm. because it'll make you more money over mm-hmm. time. You pay back the low interest debt. People take money out of their homes and yeah. invest it into it. So no, it it can't just be a black or white. Yeah, and and people want to make it into this very simple way, and it just you can't simplify it that way. You have yeah. to really make sure it makes sense for you based on what it is you're trying to accomplish. You know, and I love that you bring that back. I love that, that really getting clear on like, well, what is the goal? Like, where are you at right now in your life? Right. And so that's the other thing is like, you know, life is going to change. And so your goals around money are going to change, right? Saving for a house, going on vacation, like knowing that those are going to change, working with your money. So your money works with you to support that overall outcome. So it's not just so linear looking. You don't just set a budget, a budget, and then boom, you're successful. (laughs) You don't just like say, I'm going to go, like life doesn't move that way. No. And what my, what I'm learning from my NLP coach and through my NLP journey is the person that's the most flexible is the one that's going to be the most successful. Yeah. So your money has to be flexible because life's going to shift and grow and move. I'm, I'm managing my money daily. 
Yeah. I'm making decisions and I'm changing course daily, monthly. And that, that roadmap, it has to be a breathing, living experience, mm -hmm. just like your life is. Yeah. And that's also part of the course that you now have online, yeah. right? The stop budgeting, you know, and I think it was like, um, is it hashtag adulting life or something that that was from your book? Yeah. yeah. Adulting your right. way, mm -hmm. hashtag adulting your way, stop budgeting. Um, let's talk a little bit about obviously the course, but one of the things that I want to talk about, and maybe they interlap, maybe they don't. Okay. But one of the things that I learned early on working with Lisa was that we have all a money type. We have a money personality and money type, right? So like human design, all these like personality, you know, Sandy's, you know, what talent dynamics, talent dynamics like your love language, like there's a quiz for everything. What's your there was another one on like, how do you like sex? Like there's a quiz for every single thing. Okay. So money personality. So I, when I started working with you, I remember you have me do a questionnaire to identify money personality. I'm a cheap chip. She sure is. I sure am. Yeah, she is. Oh boy. But I will say this. I have learned to be more flexible with my money and learned how to make my money work for me to allow me to do the things that are the most that are in alignment with my values. Yeah. Thanks to you. So let's talk a little bit about briefly about money personalities, because here's the truth. Cheap chip, my, my testing, mm -hmm. Andrew delusional Dan. Yeah. Woo, head in the clouds. Do to do doesn't track a budget. Oh, like, yeah. And swear that is to a T his personality. Yeah. It's like, and it would drive me freaking nuts. Yeah. Right. But because I knew that about him, we started to leverage each other's strengths around money. Right. Like, so I would do the accounting at the end of the week of our budget. Cause that, you know, was my strong suit. And he was like, I don't want to deal with it. You do it. So what are the five money personalities? So for people watching, cause yeah. we want them to be curious, like what's your money personality? Yeah. Um, okay. So I have a whole podcast uh, episode about this. So Beautiful. you can go back and listen to the episode about your money personality. If you want to do a deeper dive, the five are Spendthrift Sally, Delusional Dan, um, or Delilah. We have the cheap chip, um, avoider Alice and over generous Olivia. Mm. These aren't mine. Uh, I just adapted them from my mentor, Robin Crane. So you can actually go to her website, robincrane.com and take the test and see what your results are. And then listen to my podcast episode and I'll break it all down for you. Um, so I'm a delusional Delilah. Yeah. And my delusion, I have a, a client who's like, that just sounds so negative. Can we call it dreamer? And yes, actually in the positive sense, yeah. we are big dreamers, big thinkers. Yeah. You do have a little bit of that in you. Yeah. Otherwise you wouldn't be a business owner and have all yeah. the things that you have. You had to stretch outside your change totally. comfort zone to be able to create what you want to create. And what's really important about the, the budget conversation is that just like the disc profile or any other profile of talent dynamics yep. is there are some people that trend to data and data, data analysis. Yep. You're, you're a little bit more on that side of things, yep. personality wise. And also you grew up in an, around a ton of scarcity. Big time. 1000%. Right? Oh yeah. Um, and so the cheap chip in you likes to look at the data and crunch the numbers. And it also has to feel very tangible mm -hmm. and very real to you. Yeah. And if it doesn't, it's going to be really hard for you to make progress on it. Yeah. So the cheap chip can be um, very analytical. You're not totally analytical, but that's where I think you inherited from is more in your belief system. Mm -hmm. 
and um, and you will steadily make progress toward a goal. And if it gets too big, too fast, energetically, you would rather just have it yep. make steady progress, which is what you absolutely do. Yeah. There are a lot of people in the money industry who are cheap chips yeah. and they teach money that way. Mm-hmm. Dave Ramsey is the biggest cheap chip out there. Probably, you know, he probably doesn't live it that way anymore. Yeah. But he teaches that. Okay. Don't spend money. Don't the spend lang- money. And the Don't language. Spend money. Don't spend money. Don't yeah. spend money. Don't eat out. Don't go eat out. Right. Pinch your pennies. Pinch your pennies. Count every single dollar. And there's some people who are like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. They give them a big middle finger. I'm not yeah. going to do it. Yeah. But then what do I do? Yeah. What do I do? And so the stop budgeting system is about, let's just make sure you know how to track your money. Yep. You use these tools. Yep. Let's just make sure you know how to understand your cash flow yep. so that you can make decisions that feel right for you. Yeah. Yeah. Not one money type is better than the other. No, definitely yeah. not. And, you know, speaking of money personalities and stuff, I think the other thing to to talk a little bit about that is like when I really learned that from my personality of like a cheap chip, it also took me back to like, okay, where did I hear this language? Where in my upbringing did I hear this language? And what was it like? And I remember distinctively my stepdad all the time. We can't afford this. We don't have the money. We can't afford this. We don't have the money. You know, like at 12 years old, they were like, oh, you want shoes? Like you're going to be able to go get a job in a year. You're going to get a job. You're going to open up a bank account and you're going to work. And so like the underlining messages I was a kid that I got and subconsciously I picked up as like, I can't afford that. And so I, and I even worked for a bank for like 10 years. I worked for a bank. I literally, my first job was a bank. And I remember I was in customer service and I remember sitting in my little cubicle and I had my white piece of paper and I had all of my bills Mm -hmm. on a piece of paper. Didn't do do digital back then. And it was like writing all my bills out, how much money I was making. And it was like crossing off the things of like making sure I could cover that. I still do that shit to this day. I still do it to this day. And Yes, I use cash flows, but I think the the biggest thing when it comes to stop budgeting that you really helped me with truly is that travel is one of my top core values Mm -hmm. and it is health and travel are my two top priorities. Mm -hmm. And for me, the most important thing is like, I want cash flow for both of those. Those are non-negotiable for me. And so taking my cheap chip personality, you were able to help me to implement that into my cash flow of like, these are things that are important to you. Just allocate towards them. And when you allocate that towards them, you can spend that yeah. like it's there. And so again, back to budgeting, no matter what money personality I think that you are, I love that you really help people to know that you can adapt to your own personality and create systems and tools to work for you. Because here's the truth, how I do it. If I had Andrew do it, he would lose his ever love and you know what? Mm-hmm. You know, it just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And the conversation around money um, is so important. It's so important. Yeah. It's so important. And that you have your own unique personality, which also lends itself to the shame. Yep. Going back to the shame conversation where um, you've learned about money in a way that is not authentic for who you are, then there can be shame and guilt that goes along with that. So I was raised by cheap chip parents. Yeah. And it didn't matter how much money we had or didn't have. We were always in a not enough conversation. My mom was very tight mm-hmm. on the money in the household. 
And, um, and so being cheap chips, they still thrift shop to this day. Yeah. And, um, and that's what they did. Yeah. That's how they lived. Yeah. I inherited it. I'm not a cheap chip. I'm not. And I thought that because I was raised as a, by cheap chips that I had to be that way. Mm-hmm. And because I wasn't, mm-hmm. there was shame and guilt that went with that. And we can apply that to more than just money in our lives. Oh, right? for sure. I'm not this way. I'm supposed to be this way. And because I'm not, I feel ashamed or isolated or no one understands me. So when I gave my, when I found out about these money personalities, I was like, I'm a delusional Delilah. My whole life opened up. Yeah. My my business took off. And the way that I do money today is absolutely not how my parents would do it. And it scares them to death. And yet this is how I'm growing my business. This is how I'm taking big risks, how I'm investing in my brand. Yeah to be able to have the things that I say I want yep. rather than saying it'll never happen. Yeah. My delusional Delilah wants a beach house. My parents would tell me it would never happen. Yeah. It's not possible. You can't do it. And I refuse to listen to those conversations. Yeah. yeah. I think that's important really too, is like, who do you surround yourself with mm-hmm. and how do they live their life? Like what are their values around money? What are the conversations around money? You know, I'm super fortunate to have amazing sisters and women that love to travel. We talk about, we actually talk about money all the time. Yeah. We're getting up there, you know, and we're like, Hey, like, let's just buy a big beach house and like, we'll all contribute yeah. and we'll all live there. And I'm like, Oh, I can get down that with that. Awesome. But we talk about money very openly and freely. And we're at this age and we're like, you know, we get excited talking about like, how do we invest at this age? What does retirement look like? Right? Like, these were conversations that none of our families talked about. None of it was non-existent. And it's now we're having these conversations. But again, I think it's important being mindful of what you watch, who you spend your time with, because from an NLP perspective of that's constant installing, Yeah. right? It's constant installing to the subconscious mind and it picks it up yeah. and you can easily start living your life like that. And so it's really just, I think another thing about money is like, there's so much crap on television yeah. and there's so many things that we pick up in here. And at the same sense, it's not even in alignment with who you are. Yeah. If I could give one nugget that would be so beneficial is that I want your listeners and your women to ask, ask this question, what does success mean mm-hmm. to me Yeah. to that point? Because if we're watching successful people on social media and we're thinking that that has to be the way that our lives look or feel. Yeah. We're probably not living authentically. And when we when we have the courage to ask ourselves what does success look like and feel like for me? Yeah. Then we can we can just not pay attention to all of that out there. Yeah. And it, even in my in my bio today it said I didn't I don't want a Ferrari and a mansion. That's not what success looks like to me. And I think that resonates with women today yeah. way more than it does the egotistical male totally um paradigm yeah it's so true mm-hmm. so so true and you know speaking of just questioning like what does success look like for me today you know my partner you know he comes from very old school financial mentality and you know his family has a farm in nebraska and you know, the farmland is paid off and they own two very, very highly successful companies. Mm -hmm. And, you know, being there and listening, I was there last week and watching their behavior and listening to their language. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm shocked. Mm -hmm. I'm like just blown away. And, you know, one of the things that I had been told Andrew knows, I was like, 
this is a beautiful opportunity for you to reevaluate. Are you living your parents' vision of success or are you living your vision of success? Because unless you get crystal clear on that, you can be living someone else's dream. You can be living someone else's vision. So taking the time to go, what is my view of success for myself right now? And own that shit like nothing matters. Yep. Like just own it. Yeah. So yeah, I, I thank you. Yeah. So for anyone that's watching, I strongly recommend working with Miss Lisa. Um, I talk a lot, obviously, with my clients, you know, because yeah, ironically, and you know this, like some women that come to me, they're like, I can't afford working with yeah. you, right? Like I can't afford to hire a coach and so forth. And and that's a big thing for me is like that what that's what melts my butter, like truly is like when a woman's like, fuck this, I'm going to pay for it. I have no idea. I'm going to say yes to the thing and just trust the process. And every time they do that, sky's the limit, right? Just taking that. So for anyone that's watching, you know, this podcast, I am going to be putting contacts for Lisa's information in the bio and just recommending connecting with her, listening to her podcast, checking out her amazing book. And she has a course online, stop budgeting. Yeah. Stop budgeting. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and helping you to understand who you are around your money. And more importantly, now that you are, you know, an NLP practitioner, you know, your language um, and your belief systems around money can transform your life yes. when you change it. No Absolutely. doubt about it. Yeah. You know, and again, if I, and I got to give Lisa credit when I worked with her in 2018, I hired you, I was in $40,000 worth of debt. And I remember our call and it was like, I have this debt. I don't want to file bankruptcy again. You got to help me reverse engineer this and how the hell do I get out of it? And you were so just on point and you told me, and I remember, and I'd say this, like I worked seven jobs. Yes, I was hustling them because I was on a mission to move to the beach. Yeah. And I worked seven jobs and I paid off $40,000 in 14 months. And I was, and just by taking that action, and you giving me the tools to do so, like I believe in myself financially now that I've ever believed in myself. And so, fuck yeah, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I love that. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah, thank absolutely. you. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next time.